0: Cyril, what a beauty!
1: G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I am Dog, and I am joined by the effervescent. I don't really know what that means, but they say it in ads for water, effervescent. Uh, Damo, Damo, how are you? I'm going to Google what that word means.
0: Dog, it's good to be here. Preseason games are creeping up on us, so we will soon have the answers to some of our risky selections hopefully Um, we only get really one official game with the practice matches some are scheduled to have six quarters I don't know what you get from six quarters Uh, it's it's not really a quarter if it's there six of them either so but they're around the corner so people will start to get the answers that they seek and uh, hopefully we can lock in some of the players that we're not really sure about at the moment
1: Yes, you, you mentioned the practice games. Uh, keep an eye on our socials. Next week's Herald Sun trade, uh, not trade, Supercoach Whisper track watching article will be very heavily around who we need to keep an eye on at the first practice matches, so keep an eye on that. I think it's Clarkie and maybe Barron putting that one together. Speaking of other content that has gone up, Demo, since we last spoke, there's a pod article that'll be going out on the Herald Sun soon by Clarky and Fosdaddy, which taking a look at how many pods, it's too many pods, you should pick a pod for the sake of a pod and here's some pods that you should consider, Demo, we've also had a bunch of stuff, we've had Brendan's uh, draft rankings going up, by the time you all hear this, his rack rankings will be live on the site. We've also had, I mean, we've had a whole bunch of stuff, haven't we? JG did some stuff earlier in the off-season. By the way, Damo, I don't know if I mentioned this. He said, oh, yeah, I was listening to the pod in primary school, so it's really nice to finally get some writing on the uh, the website, which made me feel literally sick.
0: Makes you feel 80 years old, doesn't it? Damo, how are you? I'm good, yeah. The the mailbag has been awesome. We had MJ from the coaches panel last week and he brought a really interesting discussion about about what do you want your players to achieve for your team rather than following the crowd or looking for a point of difference. It's all about what you want your player to achieve for your team and what you see them producing for you. It's not necessarily needed that they are a top six or a top eight player for you it's about selecting players that you potentially have a role in mind for in your super coach team and can they achieve that and can they do what you were setting out for them to do in the first place and that's a really it's a really interesting discussion that we had and we also had discussions about is there a point in going for a point of different cash generation makers and we decided that there wasn't really but yeah you should listen to the podcast it's Great discussion all around. One of the most interesting discussions that I've been a part of when it comes to Supercoach.
1: No, it sparked my, it sparked me kind of engaging in the Super Coach season properly. Um, I didn't have a team built. I listened to that podcast, I watched a couple of videos from the SC Oddfather. Magic Moments 000 on Twitter, which I know you've done a little bit of stuff for. You did an intro for his YouTube channel, which is awesome. Great videos by him. And I was listening to the Herald Sun official uh, podcast about the Ruck line this week, which is another great listen, and the Phantom jumps on on that one. And the reason I'm mentioning these three sources because they they've were what prompted this podcast, they've what prompted me to actually go and build a team demo and i've done that my team was cleared after december i made a team the first day the team picker came out i saved that team since then i haven't opened it once i cleared the team i went back in this week and i built a team from scratch demo and i can tell you that the structure i had in december and the structure i have now are almost identical In December, in defense, I went two primos, two cheap primos, one mid-pricer and rookies. Currently in my real team, I have two cheap primos, one mid-pricer and four rookies. I went five primos deep in the midfield in December. I've gone five primos deep in the midfield in February. I've gone two 500K plus Ruckman in both builds. And I guess the only difference is that in December... I had Gnigliog, Moore, and Rosie, and I've pushed that money into Dunkley, Rosie, and another mid price So I'll, We'll get into specifics in terms of the names that are in this team as the podcast goes on, but I found it really, really interesting, demo that after, what's that, two months without looking at it, I came back, built a team, and yeah, sure, the names have changed, but the structure just kind of played itself out in the same way again.
0: It's really interesting that you say that nothing's really changed because I've been kind of keeping track of my team changes from my initial draft as well, and it's really helped me sort helped me work out if my changes have actually helped me or not, save for rookies, because that will change depending on who is named in the round one side and who impresses over the preseason games. But I've mostly kept the, state, the same structure as well, and the players that I've swapped them with either has more upside than the player I originally had or won't burn me too much. If the other player does slightly better to start the season, like it's nothing that's going to change my trajectory or anything going forward or going into the season, which is probably really important to work out as well. When people are working out their sides and working out who is actually the real deal in the preseason, because we can see players come out with performances out of the boxes in preseason games and people jumping on them thinking they're the absolute, the absolute best thing to have ever, and then they come out in round one and score you 60, 70 points and you've paid 400k for this guy who's never averaged 110 in his life, but for some reason got 40 disposals and kicked seven goals in a preseason game.
1: Yeah I think it speaks to that. I think it speaks to two things. One is you can consume all this content and get swayed by people and it's easy when so obviously I've been playing this game for, you know, however many over a decade. I don't know how long Supercoaches have been around, I've been playing for it basically the whole time. And that whole time I've been someone who logs on and every time I read something I immediately go in and change my team and change my team and change my team. And eventually you come out with this team as you kind of said, it's, it's not really representative of, of what you initially wanted to go with. And I think that core sort of those gut feel decisions, that the ability to vibe it out, particularly when you've been playing for a while, it's actually more important than jumping on all of the hype picks. So really interesting that, yeah, after, after two months, sort of came out with the same structure. And I think it speaks probably, demo to the other piece of work that you and I did, which is the depth charts, which you can access in the drop down menus on the jock reynolds website but those what that did is forced us to actually look at where the rookie priced players might appear from we did two podcasts earlier in the year on that identifying the rookies identifying what actually we did three podcasts on that identifying where the rookies might come from and then once the draft happened identifying which rookies to pick and i think that really set us up to kind of get our heads around ahead of time where the cash gen would come and it does look like it's going to come in defence. And it does look like it's going to come slightly less than maybe we thought, but going to come in the midfields. And then the forward options, initially I was really keen on them, but I think in terms of cash gen, I think we're going to have plenty of playing rookie price players. In terms of cash gen, I don't know that it's there as much. So I know a few people are going pretty deep in the forward line. But anyway, let's go through some specifics, Damo. We'll, we Let's start with my team, and then we can talk about your team just because I I want to bounce some ideas off you, get some thoughts from the community out there, and if you are watching or listening, leave some comments, some suggestions. I'd love to hear it. So I'm just going to go through my team at this stage. It's obviously going to change, but I've gone Bailey Dale, Nick Dacos as my one and two. In December, I had Luke Ryan and Nick Dacos. Uh, it's very possible one of them could become Mason Redman but I like Bailey Dale's consistency. He's over 550K, damage, which I hate. And Nick Dacos at 500K, I just think he's slightly underpriced. I know people are worried that he's going to get tagged. I don't... It's possible. I don't see him being the main tag target, and I do see him continuing to be someone that gets the cheap one-twos, and maybe he doesn't end up being a top-six defender, but I think for sure we're going to be talking about him as a top-ten defender. So do you have any issues with having a Nick Daycos type in your team?
0: No, no, he's in my team as it stands. Um, I think it's getting to the point where he's going to get hard to ignore and considering, considering he's in most teams or a lot of teams, 45% I think I saw last when I was having a look. Uh, if he doesn't fire, that's 45% of teams that need to work out what to do with him.
1: Yeah, exactly. And one thing I think that, in all of my builds that I've done, like my theoretical builds, I've only actually made two teams, but in all of my theoretical builds, the idea, uh, none of the 600k and thereabout players interests me at all. And it's not because I don't think they won't score. It's just because I don't think they present value. And I think, and I know, I can probably get them cheaper later on down the track. And then that sort of 4 through 10 defenders by the end of the season I just don't know who's going to fill those roles yet so that's why I've gone with Baylor Dale I think Nick Dacos can fill a role I think Jake Lloyd can fill a role and I think if you think Essendon are going to win more games than they did last year Mason Redmond could so there are a couple of names I'll be watching during the pre-session. but at the moment it's Baylor Dale Nick Dacos in December I had Nick Caulfield in February I have Elliot Yo. I've been swung around on him Obviously, the injury concern worries me, but what worries me more is potentially having to trade him in for not starting him and then trade him out if he gets hurt later on. So I'd rather just start him, go with the crowd, trade him out later on. And at $337,000 in defence when we know he's going to be playing in that midfield, we know he's scored highly in the past, I think he's a hard one to ignore for me. And I hate saying that because I really, really didn't want to pick him, but he just truly presents... Value and and that's what we're trying to do at the start. We want to generate cash, whether it's through rookies or, in this instance, a three hundred k player.
0: Yeah, i I wasn't too sure on Elliot Yo a few pre seasons ago. I think it was even twelve months ago, a little over twelve months ago. I heard from a very close source to him that he was struggling to even walk. So the fact that he's been able to, to work over the last 12 months or so and get himself back to a point where he has his power back, where he has his influence back is really quite impressive. And like you said, if you don't have him, you're using a trade to bring him in. And then when he gets injured, you're using a trade to take him out. If, if you start him, then there's only one trade that you need to use. Maybe you don't even need to use a trade. Maybe he does average 105. Maybe you can hold on to him. But if he does break down at any point, you're only using one trade to trade him out rather than a trade to bring him in when he's averaging 105 and then a trade later down the track if he gets injured.
1: And if he shits the bed after two rounds, it's much easier to trade down to him down to a rookie than if he comes out and does like a, what George Hewitt did last year or a Patty Cripps and dominates the first two games and you have to try and find a way to trade up to him. So I guess... My logic for him is that, especially given his selection, he's a relatively safe pick, and I like having that. I like having a mid-pricer at the D3 position this year. I think we could potentially stretch and even have a rookie at D3. I think enough should put their hands up, but at this stage, uh, I've got Elliot Yo at D3, then rookies all the way through. I don't think the specifics of the rookies really matter. Damo, you can have a go to you can have a a Ginby, Ginby, you can have a Weddle, a Wilmot. Like, there's a bunch of names we can throw there. Uh, And I know you probably want to mention him, but uh, we signed Chincotta, Sincotta. I'm not sure how to say his last name from the Carlton did from the Carlton Reserves. He's someone who, if an injury happens, I think could play. He's 102K. So, like, there's going to be plenty of bargain basement players, I think, in defence this year.
0: You could really stack your midfield if you want to, because the forward line might not have as many uh, scoring rookies, but they probably got the forward line probably has the most job secure rookies, if that makes sense. And they might be slow burns for you, but if you have scoring power in other parts of the ground, then that may not matter as long as the players that you have on your field in your forward line or in your defence are actually making cash.
1: No, I look, I think that's gonna be popular. I've seen I've seen it go two ways. I've seen people sort of going to F4 with guys like Dunkley, Genelio, Rosie, Cunnington, Moore, any combination them through to D4. But I think you're right. I I think those there's a lot of slow burn rookies in the forward line. I think we're gonna have plenty of cash gen in defense and I think that's gonna allow us to stack the mids which is what I've done in in my team. So both iterations of my team, December and Feb, had went five deep with six hundred k players. I've gone just for those playing at home. I've gone Oliver, Pelly McRae, Darcy Parish. I'm, I'm I'm a big Darcy Parish man, and Jack Steele. I think Parish and Steele are underpriced and represent value. I think Jack McRae is underpriced, given he gives you a captaincy option as well. Even Bont at 639k, I think, is a little bit underpriced. And then Oliver, he's going to lose value, but he's too. I just can't ignore him and I can't not have him in my team. I want the the 120 points a week that he's going to give me. But here's where my team has changed. Where I went five deep in December and went all rookies on field, I think I've gone off the midfield rookies a little bit and I've actually got two mid-prices going through the midfield in M6 and M7, and that's... Jacob Hopper, who I did not want to bar off, and Dom Sheed, who I've been keen on but didn't think he had a high enough ceiling to generate cash. But lovely people out there, Damo, have done the maths for us, and it turns out these guys, assuming they hit the averages they have done in the past, they're going to be cash generators and they're going to be point generators.
0: I'm not big on Dom Sheed, but I think that Jacob Hopper has a defined role obviously brought in for a reason and it would surprise me if he doesn't return to his 95 sort of average that he has achieved in the past at the Giants so at 330k there's quite easily another 200k for him to make at the very least
1: yeah I I think look I I didn't like the idea of him but the idea of right getting let's say 85 points on field and generating cash when we know we've got plenty of options in defense and up forward for generating cash it's kind of a middle ground it's a mid price right it's a middle ground and i think he he represents some value and the thing about dom sheet is i just assuming he is healthy look one game last year for 67 west coast weren't in a rush to win any games last year 2021 22 games for 82, 2020, 16 games for 89, 2019, 22 games for 95, 15 games in 2018 for 73, and 19 games in 2017 for 84. If he can get some semblance of continuity into his game, he's got at least enough upside to be giving you 75, 80 points on field, which is going to generate cash. But importantly, it's going to take away some of the volatility of having, I don't know, I know we all think all of the rookie midfielders are going to score a million points every game, but the, the reality is it doesn't happen. Ashcroft, he'll probably score a bit. Wardlaw hopefully will score a bit. But we saw last year that guys like um, Ward and McDonald and all these blokes, some weeks they will pumping out 35s, whereas I don't think Adam Sheet's doing this. So that's why he has come into my team.
0: Josh Ward's season last year, is actually the exact reason why I'm avoiding Cam McKenzie because I don't want to be paying 180 k for a rookie that's going to be performing the same way that Josh Ward does. And I'm not saying that that's, go- that's going to happen, but there's every chance that Sam Mitchell gives Cam McKenzie that role and then elevates a Josh Ward or a Connor McDonald into uh, into the Jager O'Meara Tom Mitchell roles to give them more of an output on game day, meaning that a player like Cam McKenzie, despite all of the Im- impressive results that he's getting in their preseason time trials, intra-club matches, all those sorts of things, Josh Ward was doing the same thing last year. So I I'm not, I don't have confidence in the Hawthorne rookies, especially the midfielder ones. Um, Josh Weddle might be a different story. But I'm not paying 180 k for a Cam McKenzie who might come out an average 40, 45 but we won't see what the rookies can produce until they're named, until they run out in round one. Forget about the preseason games. We just need them to pass the eye test in the preseason games. When it comes to round one, we want the rookies that are probably going to produce the best results on the field. And I don't think with confidence you can put the Hawthorne rookies onto the field just because of the results of last season.
1: It might be a situation where we've got all these 170, 180, 190K rookies currently, which, which by the way is my advice to build your team with the most expensive, expensive rookies in it. But we may look at it after the, the pretend practice matches, then the real practice matches and go what the hell are we doing with the this much money and these rookies they're just not going to perform it has you know Will Ashcroft I'm still pretty high on as a as a scorer and a rookie um a rookie priced option even though he was the whole reason we did the depth trust exercises cuz Brisbane are going to be good but it may be that a Wardlaw or, or, or a Ginby or a McKenzie as you say just don't pass the eye test and we have to find elsewhere. find uh, value elsewhere but anyway That's why I'm not confident in those players either, which is why I've gone essentially seven deep in the midfield if you're including the two mid-prices. So I think the value is going to come from defence and a little bit up forward. So we'll get to your team in just a second. The last couple of changes just to go through. R1 I'm still not settled on. I'm still really heavily considering Grundy. In December I had Darcy and Grundy. Right now I have English and Marshall. I really would love that to be a Grundy and Marshall because I'm very concerned by Tim English. He's already missed, what, two or three sessions this preseason from little niggly injuries. And we know last year he was getting concussions and getting doing hammies. And the, the, the official Supercoach podcast did, did one, an episode this week on Rucks. Go and listen to them. To me, it didn't really clear anything up outside of picking Rowan Marshall, but it just highlights the question that, like, I have no idea who's going to be the best R1 selection.
0: It really is one of those positions where you're going to have to roll the dice and go with what you see in the preseason games and just hope that nothing changes with their role because we know some clubs like to experiment a little bit in the preseason games because it's a bit of a hit and giggle. You're not going to get punished for it on the ladder and it doesn't affect where you finish in the season, but I think in these official practice matches, not the not the club-organised ones, but the official ones that the AFL has actually fixtured themselves, I think we're going to see teams run out pretty much at full strength, pretty much how you're going to see it in round one, maybe save for some players that they want to see how they go against AFL hardened bodies, not in an intra-club.
1: Yeah, it's... Um... It's going to be very interesting and you've got to really scroll down the list before you see a clear R1 that you know is going to be R1. It's like Riley O'Brien probably isn't going to split his time too much. Rowan Marshall probably not and I know there's a lot of fears about there's a lot of chatter at the moment about well you can't you you can't be careful the team's are going to run two rucks because the sub rule they're going to sub out at all and well, yes, that is a tactical decision, I'd love to see the numbers on how many games had an injury last year because clubs are going to sub out injured players. Inj- injuries are going to happen. I'm not banking on that sub rule when I'm considering my Ruckman. Anyway, but the, the, what I'm saying is that it's just really up in the air for me. And How do you feel about Tim English?
0: His soft tissue injuries are a worry, but does 36 trades take away that risk? Because you do have more trades to play with, we've actually got this exact question for the mailbag this week. So uh, we're with Al Payton this week. I don't know if this goes out before or after that will go up, but we've actually got this exact question from a viewer. They want from a viewer from a listener. They want to know if Tim English is a risk worth taking. And to be honest, behind the scenes, we're getting a look here. I still haven't drafted my answer for that because I have no idea. Yeah, it's a
1: tough one. It's a tough one, and he's pretty expensive. He's pretty expensive, which is working against him. If he gives us what he gave us at the start of last year, he's underpriced. But if he doesn't do that, then he's overpriced and an injury risk, but currently in my team. Um, and, and then finally, the forward line, December I'd Gnigliog, Darcy Moore, no, not Darcy Moore, Dylan Moore, Connor Rosie, Ben Cunnington, Toby McLean and rookies. And now I've gone Josh Dunkley, Connor Rosie, who uh, we mentioned it in the Supercoach jury. I don't know if it'll get included, but Connor Rosie, Damo averaged over 112 when he attended 56% of center bounces last year. I know there's a lot of chat about many mouths to feed, but I just think that Porter smart enough to put him in there. So he's in there for me. I have had to drop Dylan Moore, who I really, really like, and I may find a way to get him back into my team by dropping one of these mid-prices. And then at F3, demo, I have Jack
0: Zabel, which obviously needs no discussion, and we can move on. If Jack Zabel returns to the form of 2021, my only issue with his selection is he was perfectly fine until Aaron Hall came along. If Aaron Hall and him are in the same team, I don't think Jack Zabel is a keeper. But I don't—he's no, not a keeper. But I don't mind him as a stepping stone because he could still reach that eighty-nine 80, sorry that eighty-five to ninety average and move you towards one of the forwards when they all emerge. Because we all know that the top forwards don't appear straight away at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, and for those at home screaming at me. He has said in interviews that he'll be used in defense this year. He doesn't – I mean, this is pretty harsh. He's Probably his best skill is his kicking, so I reckon he's going to steal some kick-ins. They're going to play a bit of a kick-mark, chippy sort of game style. You'd imagine – I feel like they're going to want his leadership and senior body in that team as well. I think Clarke is going to play him. So that's why if – obviously this could change, if he's not taking kick-ins or if he's not playing that role – In the pre-season games, he's out, but currently at a 350K, potentially 90 averaging guy who's playing defense but is forward eligible, uh, I think he's a reasonable stepping stone. And it's all about, for me, value and points on the field at this stage of the year. The one weakness of a structure like this, Damo, it leaves me with three rookies on field up forward, and I don't think they're going to be scoring even though they're going to be
0: playing. I think structure is the least important thing this season with 36 trades.
1: The other thing to consider, Damo, when we're picking these, these, by going light in the forward line and going light in the defensive line, you're giving yourself some time to look at players who are going to gain DPP. Now, pure gut, but I'd say it's more likely for a player to gain defence or forward eligibility from the midfield then a player to gain midfield eligibility from defence or forward. So what I mean by that is by going deep in the forward in the midfield, but going shallow in the forward line or the defence, it gives me six weeks, which is when the first DPPs are added. Gives me six weeks to assess, identify some midfield eligible players who are potentially playing a defensive or forward role, bring them into my team, and make an upgrade where an upgrade is not currently available. Whereas I look at Oliver, Bontempelli, McRae, Parrish, Steele, you know, name a bunch of these 600k midfielders. I'm pretty confident that they're going to be playing in the midfield.
0: Yeah, I think um, we had, I think like, I read something like six of the top 10 forwards last season were all midfielders that became forwards. And that was Bontempelli, Tom Liberatore, Luke Parker was
1: Josh Dunkley one of them I can't remember if he was forward or
0: I think he was already eligible to begin the season but there but uh, I think but Bailey, there was a bunch of them I think, Tim English. Ba- I think Bailey Smith was also one of them um Tim English uh it was there was a lot of midfielders that gained forward eligibility and they gained it early meaning that and they didn't stay in the forward line so it meant that we basically got top line midfielders in our forward line and that's almost a, and that's almost a hack.
1: Yeah, that's almost a life hack. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to watch. is just who gets the DPPs. And I think that's why I'm so in love with this structure. It's for a couple of reasons, right? I've got one, two, three, four mid prices in my team, <laughs> which I can either downgrade to rookies, or hopefully they generate enough cash to be able to be swapped with fallen premiums. But it also kind of allows me to have points on field for six weeks while I gather as much information as I possibly can and then go bang three trades in round six or round seven, whichever round the DPPs is going, bring in three guys that I wouldn't have been able to fit into my team previously. And all of a sudden, you know, we're on our way to planning for the buyers. So that's my tactic going in to the season at this stage demo that's my structure that's my team i'd love to hear about yours now go through some players that maybe you're considering or maybe you're a little concerned about
0: i haven't made too many changes to my team in quite a while there's nothing i've moved rookies around as i've heard different snippets of news but the core of the team has remained the same we'll start in defense I've got Sam Doherty, Hayden Young, and Nick Dacos as my three premium midfield, uh, three premium defenders, I should say. I think Doherty is probably one of the safer 600K players to go for. And yes, I agree. You can probably not start any of the 600K players and still be okay. But I like, I'm all about insurance. I like having some sort of insurance that I will not fall away from at least having one of these guys in my team at the end of the year. Because sometimes it just gets a little bit difficult to get that guy who just runs off and has amazing season and you can't get them again because you didn't start with them because you were banking on them falling in cash. And I looked at Doc at his previous season. He followed up every shit score with with an amazing score. So he never lost that much cash. I think he started at about 600K and got to about 615K and bottomed out at about 590K or thereabouts. Like he was never in – he was never in that conversation of cheaper players that you could doubt that you could upgrade your rookies to um, Hayden young. I reckon he's going to make the next step. He's been, he's taking kickouts. Luke Ryan is, is, has barely been taking kickouts in the intra club role. I think the loss of Griffin Logue has meant that Luke Ryan has had to change his role slightly to allow Hayden young to do a little bit more of the attacking out of the back. So I think he's going to improve about his average and, Nick Dacos, that's more that's playing percentages. I do think that he will improve, but I am worried about how much impact he can have in the midfield, especially considering they've brought in Tom Mitchell and they've also said that Jordan De will play full time midfield as well.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of I've got a couple of thoughts. One on Dacos, I'm not so concerned about him getting the midfield time. The way he plays his game, he's, he kind of reminds me of Darcy Parrish. He's a 1-2 player. He demands the the ball. He wants the cheapies out the back. He's always slinking around for the cheap. I think he's going to find the ball wherever he is, and that, that's why I like him. Uh, da, uh, Doherty of the 600K players is one that the one that I would choose, and there is a version in my theoretical team where Bailey Dale becomes Sam Doherty because I think his value particularly is going to be high. In those first six or seven weeks, hopefully it's only six or seven weeks, where Sam Walsh isn't in the team, scored 121 and 138 in a midfield role in the final two games of last year. And your assessment of him was right, but the, the price was wrong. So he started at 530k. Cheapest he got wasn't until round 20, where he dropped to 500k after getting tagged for two games. Uh, and then he ended the season priced back up at 560k. So he is a guy that just, he's going to, He's going to be really good this year. He's going to play midfield. And then at worst case scenario, demo he plays defense. And guess what? He averages like 115 in defense anyway. So you're going to be fine. And Hayden Young is another one where very easily, if he does the right things and has the right role in the preseason, he comes into my side, whether it's at the expense of a Dale or a day or I upgrade one of my mid prices to him. But he's very much firmly in the picture. I like that you're backing him in.
0: And I've also got Elliot Yeo. We spoke about him. I've all, and then the rookies are Jinby, Wilmot, Weddle. And Charlie Constable it sounds like he's going to run out of halfback for the for the Suns. I don't know if they were talking about VFL or AFL. but he's I in suspect my, VFL, but he's in my team as well. <laughs> he, he, but he's, he is in my team. Um, moving to the midfield, um, I'm five deep. So I'm not as deep as you are. Let dog I've got Oliver Miller Bontempelli Brayshaw, and and Tom Green I think there is too much there for Tom Green to not elevate himself into a top tier midfielder I and, I and I and I like backing in someone to break out Green is that guy this year shout out to the phantom I've I've got Hopper, I've got Will Ashcroft, and I've got Will Phillips on the field as well. And like you said, it's good to hold on to some high price rookies because it's easier to go down than up if you've settled on a structure. My bench is Ollie Hollands, Matthew Johnson, and Oscar Baker.
1: I've got no no objections to the Tom Green pick. I think him, Tom Mitchell at a similar price point. I've seen even a couple people, I think, Baron Von Crow running with like a Harry Perryman. I think one of these 530K players becomes that next 600K player. I think Tom Green's probably in the best position to do it, and I have no qualms with it. I'm not going to start him very heavily. Going to, I'd like to wait and see on him. And it's not that I think he won't break out or he can't break out. It's that I never get the breakout player right. So he's not quite cheap enough for me to take the punt on him. Um, I guess Luke Davies Uniac is is the other one that people are talking about. But yes,
0: in the ruck line, uh, I've gone Grundy and Marshall. I've played around with Scott Lyset, but I feel safer with Grundy and gives me one less upgrade to perform later to later in the season, assuming Grundy does look okay in the preseason games, uh, and then obviously. Nick Madden on my bench he seems to be in everyone's team as the bench player
1: Yep. no he's he's the I haven't actually done the analysis on the buy rounds apparently I think St Kilda might be a decent option I'm not totally sure so we'll we'll have a look at if we need to spend a little bit more but Nick Madden's the one
0: and in my forward line I've I'm probably more different than anyone that, that else that I'm seeing to be honest I I've only got two premiums in my forward line, because like I said, I think the forward line has the most job secure rookies. And I, I'm not afraid to admit that in the last few years, I haven't gone for job secure rookies. I've gone for rookies as they have become available Mm -hmm. rather than rookies that actually have the job security. And it's really burnt me and put me in hard spots. So I'm getting the job secure rookies now, so I can worry about getting the points on field later if that happens to be the case. So I've gone Dunkley and Taranto, and then in F3, I've got Nat Five. If that pays off, I've got 110 averaging player on my field at 313k. I'm not stupid enough to say that that's definitely going to happen, especially considering his role is going to be significantly different. But I think we can conceivably say that he is underpriced.
1: Oh, he's he's definitely underpriced for what he's done in the past, demo. And the the beauty is because I like you have have a similar structure. I've got F three mid pricer, so it could be Zebel, it could be Five, it could be oh jeez, I I don't know Michael Walters. Like it it could be the point is it could be anyone, and Fife is as good as any uh, in terms of uh, history and his scoring prowess.
0: And then in, for the rookies, I've gone um, Ben King. I think Job Secure will play every game that he can a little bit cheaper than Oscar Allen will probably produce the same kind of scoring that Oscar Allen will Will make money that's a little bit faster because it's a smaller investment that you have to make. And even if he only gets to 300K at his peak, he's still made 125K. That's perfect at his price. I've also got Luke Pedler, the same sorts of thing. He's one that might that might actually be one of those players that you can keep on field for for, a little, for quite a long time. I don't know if people are familiar with his sandful um, sandful performances, but he is one of those players who he was compared to Errol Goulden. He they were in the conversation with each other as players in that mould in in their draft year. So. I think that Luke Pedler is one that might be be one that we can eventually – will be one that we can upgrade last, p- potentially. Um, and then Fergus Green, Jacob Van Royen, Black Jury to finish out my forward line.
1: Yeah, very nice. Um, can you just go through your uh, midfielder rookies for me one
0: more time? Uh, on my bench, I've got yeah. Ollie Hollands, Matthew Johnson and Oscar Baker.
1: Yeah, nice, nice. I, uh, I don't mind the Oscar Baker selection. Obviously, it's all pending on starting teams. But yeah, Pedler's not one that I, I had sort of considered in my team at that price point. But the, the more the preseason's gone on, the more sort of uh, he looks like he's going to be a best 22 player. And as you've said, Damo, job secure rookies. It goes to that conversation we had last preseason, which is that total points. If you're playing games, you're more value than if you're not. And that applies to rookies as well. If they're playing games, even if they're not generating cash as quickly, if they're producing reasonable scores in their best 22, it's a hell of a lot better than having a zero sitting on your bench that you've got to try and deal with, which is where I fall down every
0: single year, demo. I'd prefer a rookie averaging 50 that makes me money over eight weeks then a rookie averaging 80, and he's only in the team for two.
1: A couple other, yeah, I agree. Uh, A couple other guys that I I just want to keep an eye on for the preseason. It's like Josh Bruce, is he best 22? Angus Sheldrick, can he make the 22? Cunningham, uh, David Cunningham. Jai Menzi, I don't think his scoring's going to be there, but he's clearly one that the Bombers are going to put some time and effort into. So it's just, yeah, there's a few names floating around, Damon, that, are very tempting. Even a couple of the SPP guys, Brody McLaughlin for Gold Coast, Do I, there is a hole in their forward line. He probably isn't at the level yet, but hey, stranger things have happened. So I think, I
0: think we're going to have a lot of guys to choose from in the end. One thing that stands out about my team for me, which was really important when we talk about the sub rule, was I only have five first-year players in my team. And I think that first-year players will be the ones that mostly have dates with the sub-vest, at least to begin the season. So we will see players like, I can see a Matthias Philippou starting, on, starting with the sub-vest. I can see a Cam McKenzie maybe starting with the sub-vest. I can see, I can even see a Connor McKenna starting with the sub-vest. He's not a first-year rookie, but... But I can see it happening. I can see Elijah Hewitt starting with the sub vest. I can see. I can see all these first year players like a Jacob Constanti, all those sorts of players, starting with the sub vest, and that's why I think players that have already been in the system for a year or two that still haven't debuted yet, or perhaps have a discount in their price for not playing it for for a year or so, are more. Safer than a, first year rookie, uh, than a first year rookie. I'm fairly confident that if Ollie Hollins plays for Carlton, he's not going to be in the sub vest. I'm fairly confident that if Fergus Green plays for Hawthorne, he's not going to be in the sub vest. Technically, he is a first year rookie because he's first year at Hawthorne and he hasn't been in the system for a while, but you don't recruit guys at 25, 26 years old to sit in the VFL.
1: I really, really, really like. Everything you just said, Damo. That got me very excited and I'm looking through my team and I it looks like yeah, one Ginby, Weddle, Ashcroft, Madden doesn't really count. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kinda like the first year plays. I think you might have stumbled across something quite 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 nice there. And if everyone if you're gonna take something away from this podcast, it's that look at your look at your rookie price players. I think Damo's hit the nail on the head there. I think there's enough guys who aren't in their first year but are rookie priced that we think are best 22, I think that's a very – I think that might be the wisest thing you've said all year, Damo.
0: I hope I said more wise things than that, but okay, sure.
1: No, very good insight. Before we wrap things up, Damo, is there any other people we haven't sort of mentioned that you're keen to keep an eye on in these preseason games that are coming
0: up? I don't have Toby McLean in my side. I I did notice you didn't mention his name. I I was gonna let it slide. I he hasn't played in the A side in any of their intra clubs. So where does Luke Beveridge see him playing? Again, he's not a first year player, but is he one of their, going to be a substitute? Is he going to be their super sub? Is he going to be a player that they can inject at any point in the game to give them a bit of legs up forward, a bit of di- something different in the midfield? A, Rotate someone out of defence so that he can start just distributing? Like, is he going to be someone that, that averages 40% game time for the year? Because Luke Beveridge has his ace up his sleeve and with Toby McLean's face on him.
1: It's a good question. One that I can't answer until we see these damned preseason games. I'm still confident that he'll be in their best 22.
0: I will say, though, if Toby McLean is best 22, and I'm confident that he's best 22. He probably replaces Ben King in my side.
1: Yeah, I, I would love, probably, I would love to not have to select Ben King. At this stage, though, I think he's going to play more games than not. But I'm looking for a reason to not pick him. Now, I do have McLean, and I've just updated and added Peddler in because I had money in the bank to do so. But yeah, I am personally looking for a reason not to select Ben King.
0: I haven't. I didn't have Ben King for the longest time. He's probably. One of the change, one of them, one of the rookie changes that I was talking about that I don't really pay attention to, because in my opinion, rookie changes doesn't really matter. It's the players you're going to keep that matter more than the rookies that you select. But he's one of the rookies that I've had to fit in because of, he's 176k, which has made me change a few things around. But it, but he's at a such a similar price to Tobin McLean that is really a straight swap if yep. to, if Tobin McLean is that guy and. We were talking about changes to our initial team, our December team, and I've made seven changes between my December team and my February team, and it's all mostly been premium for premium, meaning I'm not going to miss out on much if if one doesn't fire.
1: Yeah. And I guess the other thing is, like, we always do this right. We make our first team. We look at, back at it at the end of the year. go, fuck, why would I take that guy out of my team? He was really good. Try not to stress about that too much. Like, there's no point worrying about that. You can only pick whatever it is, 30 players. You can't pick 35 players. So don't stress about it, community. Back your gut. If there's guys you liked in your first draft and you've still got your first draft, compare it to your current draft. Why are they no longer in your team? Is it because you got overhyped on other players? Is it because their role changed? Do you still believe in them? I looked back at my starting team and I was like, I still believe in a lot of these guys. A lot
0: of those guys are still in my team as a result. So, And also remember what you create your team for. Some people sign up to Supercoach to play against their mates. To st- Some people play for league. Some people play for overall. Some people play literally against their family and nothing really matters in the end.
1: I sign up because no one will
0: let me retire. <laughs> but just remember what you wanted to achieve with your team. If if you can win your league with the team that you've got and you've and your team's a little bit different to everyone else's, then don't stress too much about it and we've seen teams come from absolutely nowhere. And finish top ten, finish as the winner, and then they've released what their team looked like before round one began, and people go, "How the hell did they pick that to happen?" Like yeah. I, I think um, we, we 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 were talking about Avs Magic, uh, the, the 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 SC Godfather, his team, the way he constructs his his, his team, only he can really explain that, like yeah. He, and he had no trades after round sixteen last season, and still finished top five. Like, like he, he must have constructed his team to be absolutely bulletproof, and I don't know how you do that without picking a fair amount of mid prices who are going to play twenty two games. You know, like he must have seen up, 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 upside in almost twenty in almost thirty players, and it's. And there's no wrong way to start your team. It's just about how you manage it as the season goes along.
1: Agreed. Agreed. The starting team is not the be-all and end-all. Let's uh, let's wrap that up. Plenty of practice games coming up. It's going to be good to talk about some pretend six-quarter, eight-quarter games. I'm going to go to the Carlton Collingwood uh, practice matches next week. I don't know if you're tuning into any
0: demo. Uh, I I don't I'm not going to go to any of the in the practice matches that are intra clubs kind of thing like with six quarters eight quarters, hell with me quarters it is. I'm probably going to go to the official to, to the official Port Adelaide one. Um, that's going to be fun because my uncle is flying in from Europe, so he'll be his first taste of a- of AFL football in in a bit, almost 20, 20 years. So that'll be interesting. Wow. <laughs>
1: That'll be great, mate. Well, let's uh, wrap it up there. Plenty of content. Tune into the mailbag uh, coming out. Uh, either it's, it might already be out. Who knows? Thanks, mate. It was a pleasure. No worries, like dog. All the best. Speak to you next time. Bye, boy.